Okay, well, today was a little frustrating. It was Friday. Uh, Stu would not play the pirate bird. Uh, he would not play uh, Stu the crime dog. Uh, even in the, well, I don't know, George. Uh, how did, how, how was that? George. I don't know. It seems like a totally new character see, now yeah, you've invented no, I mean, from uh, today. He wouldn't play it. He would, he would not play it. And he uh, wasn't happy because we had a lot of really, I had to carry the load myself today. And uh, mm. it was, it was fun. It was fun. He also had Bill O'Reilly carrying a decent amount of the load today. Well, I mean, you know, he did his part, I guess. He played a small role in this fantastic production. And Jason Buttrell on Afghanistan, mm, Pat yeah, Gray. But, yeah, well, whatever, whatever. It's Glenn Beck and a cast of thousands yes. on today's podcast. It's Friday. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. We welcome uh, Jason Buttrell, uh, who is our chief researcher and uh, and our executive producer, Mr. Steve Bergier, otherwise known as Stu, for some strange arr, unknown reason. I feel a little like a pirate um, today, uh, and I might take my patch off, and it's not an eye patch, although <laughs> they did they were sticking needles in my eye yesterday, and it was ah, not. They had to take on. something out of my eye, and uh, it it was bleeding yesterday. And he was like, "Okay, now we just have to cauterize it." And I'm like, "No, I don't. No, I don't know. No, hot poker to the eye. When did you not learn that that was a bad thing?" I told your doctor I would come and help out, and <laughs> I, I would have totally I know. done that for you. <laughs> uh, and I told him, and I'm really angry with him. I'm really angry with him uh, because I told him, I said, "No, no, no." It's bleeding, and he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Good. Let's. I, I want it to bleed because I'm going to go suggest to my family tonight that we're going to play Casino Royale, and I'm going to be the bad guy. <laughs> and then tomorrow I can be on the air, and I say, "Look, literally, I'm bleeding from my eyes. It's so crazy." And he didn't have a sense of humor. No, so. but I got a big scar on the side of my face, so I can run for, you know, a position in Chicago or I think New York in the government. <laughs> You know, kind of like Scarface uh, or a pirate. What I'd like to do is at some point on today's show, I have an intern running to see if he can find a parrot <laughs> and an eye patch. Mm. And I would like to get uh, people to tweet out what you think a pirate might say today or the bird might say today about today's situation. Ah! so you just tweet those out and then like some point what? in the show what are you talking about like hmm? what, what do you mean they would say about today's situation you know just, about today's situation in the world you know uh, what, what, what would the ah! <laughs> make mine you bitch <laughs> ah, me. okay i'm just saying i i don't know i don't know that wasn't me by the way that was the bird um but uh you know you can just anything about today's news anything yeah, about today's that, news that you think would be funny for a a parrot to say. A parrot, parrot to <laughs> say or a obvious. pirate. I mean, what else would you do with social media? They spent trillions of dollars developing I the I think most that's what it was built for. Yes, I mean, this. look at We are on at least three different satellites in space. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. These things were launched. We are on three different. It takes a hop from Dallas to New York, from New York to Denver, to Denver, to Los Angeles, to your home. Who doesn't want to hear rah, 
on the pirate thing just because I have scar on my face today. That's probably the, the way, what, it was, what they designed it for. I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in the Hall of Fame. You're not. So no, I know. I, Let's talk point. a little bit about uh, Afghan. <laughs> Should we talk about Afghanistan? <laughs> oh. ah, talk about Afghanistan. Uh, it seems to be a mess today. Uh, and I would like to make sure that <laughs> Joe Biden gets all of the credit for this. Now, I disagree with our mission, and I'll tell you what I think we should learn from it uh, here in a minute. But remember, he said the Afghan army was fully trained and ready to just take over and keep the Taliban at bay. How much of uh, Jason, how much how much of uh, Afghanistan is now gone? Oh, it's 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 over 75 percent right now. It's oh, pretty much the whole country. So they're doing a really good job. That bang Afghan, up job. Bang up job. Yeah. That yeah. Afghan army is really pushing back. Yeah. I think it was somewhere around 80 billion dollars we spent training that army. You forget about the money. How, how, uh, and that was just in training. Yeah. Forget about the money. How many lives were lost? How many lives were lost? This is an abomination. And can we please learn our lesson this started over a hundred years ago of let's do nation building. It doesn't work. We should have gone in and said, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Taliban. Uh, you want to play this game? OK, um, we're going to we're going to bomb the bat snot out of you. And we should have gone in and just bombed them, killed as many of them that were involved in 9-11 as possible continued to go get Osama bin Laden. But when Osama bin Laden was was had, that should have been it. And it should have been it in Afghanistan long before that. We don't need to nation build. Would it this doesn't not, work. Do you, would this not have just happened in 2004 then? And then yeah. we would be probably... No, no, no. Ha- no we be, wouldn't be back. No. Well, well, when they America, come over and blow up buildings again, then are we back? Or we just, we just keep going, popping back in whenever no, they blow up a few buildings? No, not when they blow up a few buildings. We haven't stopped them. Have you noticed what's happening all around <laughs> the world? We haven't. This doesn't work. Yeah. You have, to, you have to do everything you can to be an unbelievable, breathtaking, uh, overwhelming force mm-hmm. on the people who per- perpetrated it and just... Make a statement that takes the breath out of the lungs of everyone around watching. Go and don't hit America again. Whatever you do, don't hit America. Sort of a shock and awe done better. Yeah, done right. Right. Where it was actually shocking and awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't. So, Jason. You were there. You were 22 years old on September 11th. You were in Australia. You were one of the first into Afghanistan. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, I guess kind of like how I remember before we actually went out on that deployment, we had a guy from Vietnam come in and talk to us. And I remember very clearly he was said, I hope, you know, they actually, if you ever do get to fight, which during that time it was peacetime. So literally I was there to pay for my college. That was about it. Um, and so the majority of the people that joined the military way back then was there just to pretty much pay for college. But he said, uh, I hope they let you guys win. If you ever do get to fight, I hope what happened to us doesn't happen to you. And it did. And it Exactly happened to us uh, mm-hmm. i was looking at a map last night and it was so surreal i was looking at every single city that i was reading that had fallen to the taliban were you in kandahar we were in we were just outside the uh, the suburbs of kandahar so we stopped and wasn't wasn't kandahar wasn't that one of the worst places for a while 
Where was the one? Where was the place that it was like oh, yeah. deadly for us to go in, and we finally they were like hanging people off of the bridge. And that, 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 yeah, that the one you're what was about? that? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Kandahar was bad, but in the north, it was also bad. The majority of the Al Qaeda fighters were up okay. north. Uh, we when we went in, we, it was pretty much it was lightning fast. We went into the south. My unit did the Rangers and the horse soldiers. Famous, they were up north. We went in the south and Kandahar, uh, Lashkar Agar. These are b- a bunch of names that are starting to flood back. Jalalabad. Jalalabad. <laughs> Kandahar and Jalalabad. Yes, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, remember yeah. those two. Um, the deadly Helmand province, which a lot of people have talked about. We we went right in there and pretty much cleared the Taliban out. They ran to the hills. They ran to the border of Pakistan where they could hide. Um, it was very very fast. Um, looking now at all those cities, I'm like, I can remember every single one of those little villages and capitals. I, I sat in those and we- so what is the average person in, um, the, the ones that, you know, were not for the Taliban, what are they feeling today? You mean Afghans? Yeah. Oh, they're scared crapless guaranteed. Uh, we went, when we went in, we were, we were, you know, greeted with open arms, pretty much. Kids would come out, they'd come up to the Humvees, we'd give them candy and food, people, women would actually step outside their houses and they were riding, riding around in cars, which I don't think was happening when the Taliban oh, was no. there. No. I mean, that right felt now, really today, great. Today, the Taliban is already um, rounding up girls as young as 12 yeah. for their sexual slaves right mm. yeah that, that's the see that that is one of the you know you said i hope that you know biden owns a lot of this these are the consequences that he's going to have to live with i also agree that we should have left we should have left a long time ago um the way they did this is complete and i'm talking about the biden administration is completely political completely and this is an example there is no military reason to leave afghanistan right now in the summer. Now think about that. That is when the Taliban's fighting season is. Yeah. That's when they're. That's the prime winter, time. They, winter. Winter is when they stop. So if this was not political at all, they would have uh, scheduled the pullout to begin in January or February. That's when they would have done it. That would have given months of no fighting for the Afghan army to solidify, for them to move out to some areas and say, okay, now we can establish control. If they plan this out, that's what they have done. I guarantee you, the general said this. But Biden didn't do that. He wanted a political statement. Well, they're going to get a political statement. I guarantee you. I was on with uh, Stu and I predicted six to 12 months before full Taliban takeover. Now it's closer to 30 days. I think they're going to go all the way up to Kabul on September 10th. Camp out on September 11th. They're going to walk in. Mm. Guaranteed. That's the political statement they're going to get. Now, let me let me say this to you. Uh, Stu, you remember we were together I think on the air when they were blowing up the statues of Buddha. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And we were saying, where is the beloved UN? Where is the, the community of nations that say, Oh, this is a hair world heritage site. Nobody said anything. And what did the Taliban do? Now just follow me here for a second. What did the Taliban do? They wanted to erase the history of the area. And so they took down and blew up statues. Can you give me the story, Stu, yesterday you gave to me about what's happening in the schools of Oregon, a law that they just passed. Uh, If you are a minority, you don't you don't have to uh, actually be to know how to read or to write. Correct. And you can pass. Isn't that you? I've heard a little about this story, but I was not the one that that talked to you about it. So in Oregon, they just passed a law that minorities don't have to pass to graduate. They don't have to know how to read or write. 
Okay. Um, let me, Jason, maybe you can uh, help refresh my memory of the Taliban. They're rounding up the children, and you just said that women wouldn't even be able allowed to be driving in a car or leave their house. What else was something else that they did uh, to the women there to keep them oppressed? Didn't let them get an an education. Ah, they couldn't read or write. Isn't that interesting? We've become more like the Taliban than I care to to uh, I go for, believe I, i'd like zero percent on that one yeah, zero percent like, Taliban. let's not let's not try to erase history and blow up statues or remove statues uh let's not try to rewrite everything and let's make sure everybody gets an education where they can read and write so they're not a slave what do you say sounds good to me it sounds good for uh you know our foreign policy people to also uh get an education learn history because it seems like they've uh, completely lost that ability if they would have we wouldn't be doing these mistakes year after year after year um we were talking uh, earlier about if they would have even looked at the history they would have known the history of woodrow wilson now mm-hmm. he started a lot of this crap 1915 look at haiti so in Haiti in 1915, they, uh, they, they assassinated their own president, bloodbath ensued. Um, so Woodrow Wilson sends in the Marines. But what's he do? They, they do what, what they should have done. They, they did their mission. They got, they, they, uh, they got, got the rid guys. of the people and got the bad guys. But then they stayed for 20 years. They hmm. stayed for 20 years. Now, flash forward 100 years plus, we go over there, do our mission. What do we do? We stay for over 20 years. We do the same thing trying to build them into an Americanized democracy which is ludicrous. Um, Haiti, in the news about a month ago, they did the same exact thing, repeated history, assassinated the president. It's a corrupt government, and so is Afghanistan. It's and a corrupt so is government. America. So is America. At this point, so is American government. It is, it, is, it is imperative that we learn the lessons from the progressive left and the bloodshed and the treasure and all of the nation building that we have done. It has got to stop. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Carol Roth is uh, with me now. She is the author of the book, The War on Small Business. If you want to know what's happened in the last uh, year or so, uh, this book explains it all. What's more, it goes further and explains what you're up against. Carol, welcome to the program. Hey, Glenn. Happy Friday the 13th. And, oh, jeez. Uh, I'm kind of feeling like we're in an economic horror show right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so so let's go through the, the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. I just want you to talk about this in a way that the average American can understand uh, this you know, we've been saying there's no infrastructure in it. Where's the bridges and the roads? It's not about that kind of infrastructure, is it? No, and the worst part is we actually have two bills, and they're more than three and a half trillion. So you have the more than one trillion dollar what they're calling the infrastructure bill, which is you know a little bit of infrastructure, but includes things like how can we tax you and keep you from going on the road? Which I'm not exactly sure how that means uh, how, how that sort of uh, becomes infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. 
Bloomberg, that has enabled this $3.5 trillion, and some people are calling it an infrastructure bill. It's really a budget resolution framework. And this, and I'm going to have the, the exact quote from Chuck Schumer, the Democratic budget will bring a generational transformation to how our economy works for the average American. And if you don't have that super secret decoder ring, that is clear code for economy by central planning mandates. And I'm assuming we should have all expected this, given the fact that the head of the budget committee is none other than Bernie Sanders, who we all know is you know, has been a communist synthesizer in the past. So not only do we have to sort of contend with this infrastructure piece, but on top of it, we have three and a half trillion dollars in terms of a budget framework. And I'm happy to, to go into detail on any of that. Uh, so I'd like to hear some of that because I, I think these two fit together. You know, it's they're bringing pieces of things together um, when you combine the two. And isn't the reconciliation also coming? Don't we have to have a budget reconciliation here in a month? That that's what this framework is. So, okay. so basically, by enabling the one plus trillion dollar infrastructure bill, that has opened the, that has actually laid the infrastructure, pun intended, to get to this three and a half trillion dollar budget that they're going to do by reconciliation because they don't think obviously they can get the votes to pass it. So they needed the first piece, and unfortunately, we had nineteen Republicans who said, "Yeah, okay, that seems like a, a good." use of funding. Um, and so they are complicit in this. And unfortunately, the Democrats feel like they have this mandate, because even though we've had the central planning that has been accelerating, and you look at over the past year and a half, uh, all the things that they have done in terms of increasing inflation, disrupting the job markets, the supply chain, shuttering small businesses, throwing savers and retirees under the proverbial bus, and all kinds of other financial and individual rights of trust you would think people would say, maybe central planners don't know what they're doing. But at the same time, they basically started conditioning people to want to get more reliance on the government. They had the stimulus payments. They had the enhanced unemployment benefits. They said, we're going to be there for you. And so that's really paved the way to this huge $3.5 trillion socialist wish list. So it is, I mean, Rubio and Lee were for enhancing the, the child tax credit, but that was something that you would get in April and you would have to have paid taxes. What instead the geniuses at the GOP signed up for, and now Lee and Rubio are like, what are you, crazy? Is a check from the federal government every month if you have children. So this is basically UBI, is it not? Yes, you hit the nail on the head. So they're calling it the child tax credit because, you know, you would be evil if you wouldn't want people to get early access to their taxes because they had to take care of their children, right? But it isn't, it isn't a tax credit because, as you said, you don't have to actually earn any income in order to get it, which means that it is a guaranteed payment from the government, which is one of those things like the stimulus and, and, and like these other endeavors that are pay, paving the roads for constant 
instant guaranteed payments from the government and dependence on the government. And also things like universal pre-K and what I call quote-unquote tuition-free, because we know that somebody's paying for it, and that's mm-hmm. you, know, you and me and every average American community college. And it's being sold by the media, who's always complicit in this, as relief. It's relief for the families. And you have to ask yourself, what is it relief from? Is it relief from being responsible? Is it relief from taking care of your children that you decided to bring in is the it, world? Is it relief from the incredible inflation that they won't talk about? I mean, a d- <laughs> gas has gone up a dollar per gallon. Uh, I'm sure, Carol, you, you remember the days. I clearly remember the days when I would be counting my quarters at the gas pump and I could only put a little bit in my tank. You put $20 of gas into your into your truck or your car. It's not getting very far now. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And it is this almost you know, satire, feel like you're in a Monty Python skit. Yeah. Because as of a few years ago, the United States had become the leading producer of oil in the entire world. And we had energy independence. And the Biden administration kneecapped that. They cut off the leases for oil and gas. They decided to shut down the Keystone Pipeline and and many other things. And now they're begging the cartel to produce more oil. I I mean, it's just completely insane. And if you actually cared about the environment, you would say, well, I'm pretty sure that we do a better job in making sure that we take provisions to cleanly produce that oil and we're not shipping it across right we're not shipping it across an ocean (laughs) uh i mean it's 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 really nuts and now he is looking at the oil companies to see about price gouging and see where they are being illegal um this only makes sense is if you are trying to let's let's not say destroy the united states of america Let's say destroy the constitutional republic as we have it and the free market. It only makes sense if you are replacing oil with something else. And we know I was just talking to a guy who is um, out at Pebble Beach, going out to Pebble Beach uh, and is is high up in, you know, and knows about, you know, uh, very high end cars. And he was uh, telling me that all of them, except for Bugatti, will be all electric by 2030, which 2030 happens to be the Agenda 2030 timeline and the uh, World Economic Forum timeline. And and I think the timeline of the Biden administration as well. I mean, this is all well coordinated and you see exactly it's coming together. They're doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to unpack there, and this is why I love talking to you, because I can go on each of these things for like 30 minutes. But, you know, I'm somebody who spends my life grounded in facts and reason and putting together data sets. And so, you know, I'm not off on wild conspiracy theories. But you're seeing the things that they're saying and they're doing, and it's out in the open. It's not hidden. There's no like digging that needs to be done. They're literally saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not unreasonable 
to believe there is some level of coordination there. And then you have, you know, as you mentioned, these sort of these green mandates. Um, I do happen to wonder if there is, uh, you know, some politicization of this, given the fact that so many of the red states rely on uh, oil and gas in terms of the, you know, the big drivers of their economy. So mm-hmm. I have to wonder about that. And then I saw all of these billionaires had banded together. It was Bezos, Gates, Bloomberg, and Ray Dalio, who is a major hedge fund manager. And they're investing in a company that is now mining for these green materials that go into the production of things like lithium batteries and whatnot to enable this green transformation. Mm -hmm. So the question is, you know, like, which is the chicken and which is the egg? Is it do they know that it's coming and so they're jumping on it? Or is it, hey, you know, this is the new way to make money, so we're all coordinating and pushing it together? It sort of doesn't matter which one, right? Because the outcome's the same. Well, there's... There's a story out today. Bill Gates said he would commit $1.5 billion over three years to climate change projects with the government uh, that they're including in the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. He, he's putting a $1.5 billion into the projects as a public-private partnership with the government, which is exactly what the Great Reset is, taking away the free market and putting in public-private partnerships that agree on ESGs. Carol is uh, the author of a book that is a must read, The War on Small Business. You want to survive? Read that book, The War on Small Business. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. knows where's that now you asked you just asked for the music and Barack knows thank that you we're gonna have to make sacrifices <laughs> we're gonna have to change our conversation uh, we're gonna have acting. to change our traditions our history we're gonna have to move into a different place yes that's right my name's beck i'm a cop <laughs> i thought you were a pirate no i'm no, a cop you're in this cop? show oh, okay i'm sorry yeah this cop that's a different Totally different series. My bad. I, that's the one on Netflix. This is the one. I'd on like Hulu. you to meet my dog, <laughs> Stu. So uh, I'm part of the uh, word and tradition police, and I want to point out a few things that have been going on. Let's take on the rituals of the police in Chicago. The proceedings for Officer Ella French, who was murdered at a traffic stop Saturday, reportedly rushed due to a decision made by the first deputy superintendent, Eric Carter. He said, we don't have 20 minutes for this crap. He was second in command. He was heard on an audio recording referring to the bagpipe proceedings. According to the Chicago Times, we're not waiting for the bagpipes. Just get the vehicles inside. See, what usually happens is the it's a sacred part of having the honor guard you know there and the bagpipes and after an officer died and they take him to from the morgue and they take him to the funeral home they play the bagpipes Mm -hmm. but he said we don't have time for that crap and so they moved on and the police are not real happy about it but let me just say this 
Barack knew that we had to change some of our traditions and some of our language. Yes, that's right. With my my faithful dog, Stu. What's that, Stu? (laughs) Stu, you have another story? Oh, my gosh. This one is about language. I'm glad I don't have a role in this. In an article, (laughs) you know what it is. In an article headline, "No More Master Bedrooms," Minnesota real estate listings aim for inclusivity. Yes, that's right. Uh, Agents say that calling the biggest bedroom and bathroom in a house the master bedroom is racist. The yeah, we need a longer bed for this, I think. Anyway, uh, the real estate agent said, quote, I'm a person of color, and every time I hear the term master bedroom, I kept saying to myself, I don't like how it sounds. Oh, well, then you should get over it. Or maybe you should change the way you say things. But I'm not really offended by master bedroom, and I... I've never tied it to kids bring in your shackles. The master is speaking exactly like a person with white privilege. Exactly. Uh, In addition to combating the racist terminology, the real estate groups now are pushing to phase out gender specific language such as I dare dare I even say it. The man cave. Or the she shed. I don't even know what the she shed is. Or the accessory dwelling unit? Or the den? Why wouldn't you call something a den? Apparently, it would avoid offending transgender or non-binary people. Why? The den? Lion's den, maybe? Right, but why would that offend transgender people? I have no idea. Instead of mother-in-law suite, it's now the guest house. Or the in-law suite, how dare you offend those who aren't married? And any rooms that hint of two sexes, such as Jack and Jill bathrooms, have to be replaced now with dual-entry bathroom. Mm -hmm. Avoiding terms that could offend a buyer or seller just makes good business sense. Well, it doesn't seem to bother you when you offend the hell out of me. No one cares about that. No, it really really doesn't. Wait, hold it just a second. Stu, the crime dog. Give it to me. Oh, my gosh. Stu, the crime dog has just given me yet another story because Barack knows we have to change our language. Today, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, the ABM, which I'm a member of. Are you a member of Stu, the lifetime? Yeah, lifetime member. Oh, you were you asking doing? the dog. I was I'm sorry. asking the crime dog here. <laughs> uh, they have new guidelines introducing lactation-related language. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> I know, right? Finally. We have been waiting for it. The new guidelines were published to affirm the organization's commitment to gender equality and health equity, including the new terminology for lactation-related language. Terms for lactation include chest feeding not breastfeeding but chest feeding and not mothers but human milk feeding individuals if that doesn't just roll off your tongue human, human milk, milk feeding, feeding individuals. individuals 
Mm. I need a human milk feeding individual right now for some chest feeding. The ABM recognizes that not all people who give birth and lactate identify as female, and some individuals identify as neither male or female. <laughs> why, the, why these people have children and are allowed to have children, I don't know. Oh my gosh, that's the kind of language and thinking that's got to stop. <laughs> stop it. Stop it, Stu the Crime Dog. <laughs> language, this is according to the ABM. Listen to this. Language has power. The language that we use should be as an exclusive inclusive as possible when discussing infant feeding. When working with patients, it is best to ask them for the affirmed terminology. When communicating medical research, language should accurately reflect the population studied as to not mask the research needs. So they're saying in science, for research, it's important, I'm going to say this again, language should accurately reflect the population studied. Well, I don't know, human milk-feeding individuals, uh, I don't think that's an accurate study, uh, or men that are chest-feeding. I don't think they can lactate. But maybe that's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I forgot my role <laughs> as a language and tradition cop. Using gender neutral terminology in medicine is increasingly more common phenomena. According to some of the esteemed medical schools, Katie Herzog reports a University of California endocrinology. I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. Forced to apologize for implying that only women can give birth. The professor used the gendered language of pregnant women instead of the preferred pregnant people. He apologized, saying, I don't want you to think that I am anyway trying to imply anything. And if you can summon some generosity to forgive me, I would really appreciate it. Again, I'm very, very, very sorry for that. It was not my intention to offend anyone by using the words pregnant people. The worst thing I can do as a human being is to be offensive. I said when a woman is pregnant, which implies this is a scientist saying this, which implies that only women can get pregnant. And I most sincerely apologize to all of you. Soldiers, keep looking for those traditions and the language and our history that must be changed. Because after all, Barack knows. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. Uh, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. There is nothing more frustrating than having your identity stolen online. You couldn't bark. You couldn't play along enough just to bark. That's why you're not in the Hall of Fame. You were talking to a dog of some sort. I tried to answer your questions, and you continued to bark. 
no not as a dog not even not even like well i don't know Glenn. do we have <laughs> i'm still a crime dog i i don't know Glenn. you wouldn't even do that now that you've done three different animal voices right. for today do which one do <laughs> we expect before the end we had the parrot the <laughs> parrot oh yeah the parrot the barking I still have dog the parrot. and yeah. now the crime dog yeah like well, the mcgruff I'm style just, dog i'm just uh, do you have anything else planned i do for this have last segment? well i do it's a pirate segment. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I have to remove the bandage. No, no. Don't, you don't need to remove the bandage. No, you have the to bandage, see the scar. The, the bandage scar looks is, fantastic. No, you the keep scar it on. is the whole thing. Without the scar, you won't believe that I'm a pirate. I, I don't believe you're a pirate. Well, no matter I'll what. I'll turn you around. <laughs> no, no.